I'm Christian Ramirez, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Cal Williams. Cal, I spent yesterday in my yard with my feet in the kiddie pool, moving as little as possible. How was your three-day weekend, and wouldn't you say that three days is actually how long a weekend should be? (laughs) Well, if that means that there's more soccer on CV, then I'm all for it. No problem (laughs) at all, yeah. Uh, how did I spend my weekend? Um, enjoying many of the rooftop patios that the Twin Cities have to offer. Um, I, I love summer here. It's just fantastic, isn't it? There it really is. It's, fan- it's so super underrated. to do, yeah. I, and, I, and look, I, I had no idea until I came here how, how glorious it is. And, um, you know, I, I didn't get out onto a lake or anything. I saw plenty of people were, were doing that. Um, I will do it at some stage. But, yeah, just... Uh, Watched a lot of soccer this weekend, as, as to be expected. There was a lot going on, particularly on Saturday as well. Uh, but Sunday and Monday, it was just really nice to, to put the feet up um, and just relax on uh, on a rooftop. And, um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. But, um, you know, some some water was missing in my life for sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, eventually you get down to the lake. I thought that the, uh, it, the weather was nice because it was hot, but it was not that humid. It was mm-hmm. – uh, and so – Yes, it got up to being 100 degrees, but I was sitting in the shade yep. on Monday, and it was it was still lovely. And so, you know, my daughter was playing in the kiddie pool, and we just sort of relaxed, which is yep. – I, I feel like you don't always get with the two-day weekend, especially if we have a match, you know, because you're sort of working half the day. Yeah. And then you get, like, one day to recover, and then you're back in the office. So. It's, it's a rarity having two days off in a row in this industry, isn't it? And yeah. um, we, we always take advantage as much as we can. Um, but look – I'm, honestly, I don't mind because yeah. we're very lucky. We're in the situation where, at least in my opinion, this this doesn't feel like work. We're, yeah. we're very, very lucky. <laughs> you know, we talk about football for a living, and that's you know, I, I'm okay with that. I, I yeah. will do that for as long as possible. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, the way that it really feels like work to me is when it, not so much the actual tasks because those are often enjoyable. It's mm. stimulating. You get to think and talk about something that that's engaging and that's that's fun to, to work on, you know, it takes you away from things. That's yep. the thing. I, I think it's simply the fact that, you know, when you're at the, the game, you, you're not at home with sure. your family or when you're on the road, you're not with your family yep. and things like yep. that. So, um, I, you know, I'm not on the road that much, but, um, but you know, it, I think it's, the, it's that, that sometimes it, it's, it's sort of more the anticipation of, oh, I'm going to miss out on this, but you get to go yep. and do a fun thing a well, lot of the time. So. And that's something that's, um, Myself and, and my missus have had to sort of uh, deal with, like, like everyone does when they when they travel for work. You know, there's been so many weddings and things that I've missed, so many sure. events and stuff. You know, where I, I feel I feel terrible that Stace has got to go to these things on her own and whatnot. You know, but right. it's just it, it's a part of the gig. It, it, it is what it is. You know, we we work weekends and. Um, you know, if, if football wasn't on the weekends, then sure, whatever, you know, we, we'd have that time off. But, yeah. um, you know, we, we do away games, we travel, and it, it's just a part of the gig. And, you know, I'm very lucky I've got a very understanding missus. That's um, important. So. And, and it is very important. So, uh, <laughs> But, look, as I said, I'm not going to complain because right. I get to talk about football and television and radio and, right. and do these kind of things with yourself. So, um, 
you, you won't find many complaints from me. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's touch on that uh, Champions League final. I I only heard about it. I did not get to uh, watch it. Did you uh, Did you watch it? I did watch it. So Saturday was a, a we had a footballing feast on Saturday. It was I, I love Saturdays like that when, <laughs> when there's so many games. Yeah, and they're all of of such significance, um, so, such importance as well. You know what I mean? It's it was crazy because so first of all Saturday morning my team was involved in the playoff final. Uh, going up to uh, you know the winner goes up to the Premier League, right? And unfortunately, and your, your team is Aston Villa. My team's Aston right? Villa, yes, okay. and unfortunately, we lost one 0 to, to the better team, Fulham. Um, and look, I have no problem with with the way that we we lost. We lost to the better team, uh, and, and now we have another American in in the Premier League in, in Tim Ream. So if we're going to lose to anybody, we'll lose to Fulham. That's fine. <laughs> um, straight after that, yeah, the Champions League final. Um, you know the the Super Bowl of uh, of Europe, if you will. Um, just fantastic, just an unbelievable occasion, the biggest occasion in club football and watched by, uh, I think the TV rating for the last Champions League was something like 1.6 billion or something around the world. It's, yeah, you know, it's ridiculous. It's clearly a world tradition watching the Champions League final. Um, and I was no different. Um, you know, being British, I would always want the, the, the British team to win, so I... I you know, I, I don't have any allegiance to Liverpool whatsoever, but I, I always will want the British team to win. Sort um, of a family feeling there. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Um, that obviously didn't happen. Real Madrid, uh, they've been there, done that, got on the T-shirt. You know, they are just incredible. Um, they had a bit of a helping hand, um, quite literally and physically, from uh, Carrius and goal from Liverpool, unfortunately. <laughs> and and look, I, I feel sorry for the boy. You know, he's, he's 24 years old and... You know, this this was the biggest night of his career by far, and, and may very well be the biggest night of his career for the rest of his life. We, sure. we don't know if he'll get to that stage again. Um, he's had a lot of um, a, a lot of abuse from fans, a lot of abuse from the media, which I think is disgusting. Uh, he's not done the, the mistakes on purpose. It's football. It is what it is. It happens. Right. Um, so I feel sorry for him. Um, if I were him now, I'd, I'd move away. I'd move away from England. I'd, I'd go and, and find another club in, in Germany or Italy or somewhere just to get away. Honestly, sure. Steve, just to get away from the English media because they, at times, um, they are no holds barred. They, they are absolutely ridiculous. So um, I have uh, every faith will go and do that. The, the one um, thing which I thought was absolutely incredible was was the, the second goal from Real Madrid, the Gareth Bale mm, goal. Yeah. After being on the field for, I don't think it was even five minutes, to execute a goal like he did in in that environment, at that level, at that stage of world football, to do that, to, to even have the audacity to think to do that, is it, it, it's, it's a part of a, another universe, another realm. Like, there's <laughs> sure. no way you would think about doing that. But what he does is he executes, quite frankly, what is probably the, the best goal I've ever seen. Um, That's saying something. In in that environment as well. Sure. It was absolutely insane. And look, I, I have no ties to Real Madrid, but I was sort of getting ready to, to head over to TCF Bank Stadium at the, the time. And I, I was rather fortunate. I just stopped for 10 minutes and thought, right, I've got plenty of time. I'll just, I'll just watch for 10 minutes. Right. And that happened. I jumped up off my couch. <laughs> I was like, oh, my word. Like this, my, my, my uh, head was in my hands. Like I was just like... What? <laughs> how is you this You watched happened? the right 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how, how has this happened? That is absolutely unbelievable. We're, we're so lucky now um, that we, you know, we always talk about the big three, the best players in the world now, like Neymar, Ronaldo uh, and Messi. But not 
not often enough, in my opinion, do we talk about the underbelly and talk about the, the players that are considered underneath them. Sure. The likes of Mo Salah, who, I mean, it's a debate for another day, who, in my opinion, should now be in the top three, but people like Gareth Bale as well. Yeah. What an absolutely tremendous soccer player he is. And, and we, we don't talk about players like this um, because we're always concentrating on the top three, and that's fine. Yeah. But I, I just think we're so lucky nowadays to, to have such a myriad of... of absolutely exceptional players to watch week in, week out. We're very lucky in the United States. We can watch almost every game uh, across uh, so many different leagues. Um, it, it was a real treat to watch. The Champions League was, was absolutely fantastic. It, it's the biggest night in European football, and it didn't disappoint. Yeah, I think that it's interesting. I think it's happening in sports, you know, all across different you know, types of sports, because I think it's true in soccer. I think it's true in, in the NBA, because, you know, obviously right now there's a big debate about is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan? You know, right. you see the cast of people he's uh, with the Cavs have that he's carrying out of the finals. Again, he's been in eight straight finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you look at the, the sort of depth across the league. I mean, the, the worst guys in the NBA are so much better now than they were back in Jordan's day. I'm not right. going to start an argument about this, but like, no, no, no. you know, I'm saying that like, if you could look at some of the guys he went against, it's like, you know, Jeff Hornacek, great shooter, but mm-hmm. you know, he looks like a math teacher. Um, there's just, I think that there's this raising of the bar below. And yep. so you see this thing of, you know, there's, there's your LeBron's, uh, there's your, your Kevin Durant's, but you know, Anthony Davis is an incredible basketball player and he hasn't even really made an impact yet with the Pelicans, although right. he did well this year. I think there's just, and I think you see that in soccer as well. Like you're saying, there's sort yeah. of, there's that, that top level, but then, the level right below that is a lot deeper and thicker. Um, and that's really, that's really fun. It's really fun to watch because I think you find, you can find more guys like a Mo Salah who you, who you, you can sort of, um, develop an affection for yep. without feeling like you're necessarily jumping on the bandwagon of it's got to be one of these three guys. I mm. think, I think that depth is, I think it's good for fans. Oh, absolutely. And it's happening in this league as well, Steve, the, the, the quality of Major League Soccer keeps getting better and better every year. And, yeah. and now those, um, in inverted commas, second-tier players, people who you would say are, are backups or fringe players, they're now getting so much better. Yeah. You know, and and the, the rosters as a whole are getting so much better in this league. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's the, there's a debate as well, and I, and I won't really start it, but um, you mentioned about the NBA players and whatnot and, and, and it being the same here and, and the same across the world football footballing stage. It feels as though the game is elevated so much now compared to where it was. And, I, you know, I would love to see some of the old great players like Pele or George Best or whatever play in this era of football because it's it's so quick nowadays. And there's obviously technology and, and science that, that are helping elevate the game. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see some of those older players play in, in, in this uh, realm of football. I really would. But... Question for you, is it the same now across other sports, like with the NFL and whatnot? Is, is, that, is it the same there, or, or what's happening? You know, I'm not really sure. I think that um, I think that the thing is, is that, uh, I mean, a baseline thing about just athletics is that the, the training is getting so much better, mm-hmm. the, the fitness is so much better. Um, the guys are, you know, it used to be that you you just played your way into shape as a professional athlete. Sure. You didn't think about, you know, weight training, off-season conditioning, things like that. I think all of that is the thing that, and I, and I imagine that it's affecting just across all different paradigms of athletic endeavor, that just those, the people who used to be good enough are now working harder to be better than that. Yep. And that's that's pushing them up up the depth chart, you know? So you just have this, this sort of thicker, 
thicker set of, I mean, not literally thicker, but you know, like there, there's more guys who are below that elite tier who are good athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, they, there's, as things change, it it obviously different things get valued. There's certain guys where like Trenton Hassel, who played for the Minnesota Timberwolves in the early two thousands, uh, was a great defensive player, but it was because the rule set was such that you could hand check, like you could be on the perimeter and you could kind of use your body against perimeter players in the NBA. They took that away to sort of encourage more um, stellar play. Like it's more fun if a guy can drive to the hoop and not get touched. And so Mm -hmm. they, they sort of changed the hand check rules and all of a sudden Trenton Hassel couldn't do anything, you know, with his game. So as they change rules, certain guys who could take advantage of stuff that changes, I think in the context of that, while that's happening, then you're also just seeing this, this overall fitness level go up. So, you know, there's, um, I think it's a fun time to be a fan of, of sports generally. I mean, they've become year round. Uh, you've got fantasy. I mean, that was one thing I was going to say about, uh, without getting deep into fantasy again, because I gave away all my tricks to Jimmy Watson (laughs) and now he's winning. Um, but, uh, like last week, none of the guys who were like, you know, in fantasy, you get your, your, you have a salary cap, right? So guys who are over 10 million, those are your stars, generally yeah. speaking. Not, you know, the, the best performers from last week, none of them were over 10 million guys. It was a week where just a lot of guys showed up who were sort of the, that second tier. Mm. You know, I, I mean, and that's fantasy, but it, and it's a week where I was just like, oh, I have, I have a big, I have a pretty large salary cap for my team. I threw, I just throw in guys who are expensive. Mm. It didn't work for me. So I, I failed. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I, I even opened it up again and said, right, I'm going to do it this week, and, and I didn't. And you didn't. I just, oh, man. I'm, but however, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> however, uh, one of the reasons why I didn't, you'll be very proud of me, because on uh, Thursday evening and indeed uh, Sunday evening, would you like to know what I was doing? Yes, please tell me. I was watching basketball. Oh, I thought you'd be proud of me. There you I, go. I, I, you know, um, first of all, it's it's not impossible to to not uh, <laughs> to not watch a game yeah. of, of that magnitude, and sure. just being a sports fan in general. Um, you know, I, I, as you know, I am a complete novice when it comes to basketball. Sure. But I know who LeBron James is, and I will watch a game yeah. um, when LeBron James is playing. Now I know, obviously, the Cavs playing uh, Golden State, um, obviously with Steph Curry and everything. I will watch that. Yes. Because of star names and whatnot, you know? I was I was thinking you should come over to my house sometime and we could watch some basketball. We should we should you know what we should do? We should record a podcast whilst we're watching the basketball. Yes. Because um, for basketball fans listening, it, yeah. it would be cringeworthy for me. <laughs> me it can asking, be kind of fun. You know, as like, oh, that's handball. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is know. that even allowed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why aren't they using their feet? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I often do think to myself, why? Just <laughs> you use your foot. But anyway, that's yeah. a different, yeah. <laughs> that's a different no, we story. Should, we should definitely do that. Um, Let's touch on uh, the U.S. men's national team versus Bolivia Mm because that was, uh, I think, a fun game for fans of Mm -hmm. of the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I wanted to start with Walker Zimmerman. uh, Obviously scored a great header. A little bit about him and then also his performance for LAFC because he's been doing fantastically well for them. He he started off um, with LAFC a a little bit rough because simply because him him and Laurent Simon, they, they have to get used to to playing with each other, so sure. we've um, seen that with Minnesota yeah, United. Yeah, we've the, seen it everywhere. Line, so yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. His form in recent weeks has been tremendous, and he was fully deserving of a call up for the national team. And you know, if he carries on on this upward uh, trajectory um, in the manner in which he's, he has, I don't think there's any reason why Walker Zimmerman wouldn't be a part of this national team picture uh, for the next 
eight, nine years. There's no no reason mm-hmm. why he wouldn't be. So, yeah, I thought he was solid. Uh, the Bolivian front line hardly had a sniff. Yeah. I thought he was really good. But also the, the lad alongside him as well, Eric Palmer-Brown, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, um, product of the, the Kansas City Academy, um, was um, shipped off to, to Manchester City. Uh, has been on loan in the, in the Belgian top flights this year and got some tremendous, not just footballing experience, but life experience as well. So mm-hmm. um, that's a name I would encourage people to, to really keep an eye on, Eric Palmer-Brown. I think he's going to be a star. Uh, really good footballing centre-half. You know, He's one of these sure. players who, who gets the ball at feet and... and He'll actually take a step forward and actually look for a pass, as opposed to you know, <laughs> launching it forward as a right. stereotypical centre half would. Right, right. Um, so Palmer Brown's great. Zimmerman's been really, really good. I, I thought he was fabulous. The one player who I was most impressed with, though, unsurprisingly, really, was Weston McKinney. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, came through the Dallas Academy and now is at um, uh, Schalke Nuffe in uh, the German Bundesliga, and fabulous. Just, yeah. just you know, proper sitting holding midfielder. He's he's someone who I think. Um, you know, we're going to see for a long time in a US jersey. He's, he's um, you know, tremendously young as well. I think he's only just 20 years old, maybe maybe 19. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was great. It was it was a tremendous um, look into the future. I yeah. thought yeah. Um, for the United States national team, and you know, um, I thought Tim Tim Weir gave a good account of himself as well. Sergeant again was was uh, was a pest up front. So oh, obviously yeah. got himself a goal as well. So. That interception was. I saw. I before I had seen it, yep. I was reading in the in the recap said something about a cheeky interception. I was like, yeah. well, let's see. And then I saw it. I was like, oh, that yep. is definitely yeah. cheeky. <laughs> the rice has got that one right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, just just a good performance. I mean, the, the Bolivian national team that they weren't at their strongest either. Sure. Yeah. Um, but quite frankly, I don't care. Like yeah. this, this was a good opportunity for a lot of young players to get themselves a cap and. and Understand what it what it means to play for the national team. Get the international footballing feel in their system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was delighted. Alex Bono got an opportunity as well. He he's been deserving of that for a while as well. The goalkeeper. So good performance. Um, and, and looking forward to, to seeing this group develop over the next uh, couple of years for sure. Yeah, it's a good transition into. I want to talk about the the game against the impact. Um, and I think that the. Obviously, again, the Bolivian team, not world beaters by any means, and this this was not a a match that that particularly counted for anything. But I think that as a team tries to develop uh, consistency – as it as it goes from sort of not making sense to trying to make sense of itself, one of the one of the keys is beating teams you're supposed to beat, which is what the U.S. men's national team did against against Bolivia in that situation. And it's not glamorous. It's not you know. I mean, it it, it makes you feel better because of past disappointments with them. Mm. But I think there was a little bit of that with the Montreal Impact this past weekend in, in Minnesota United. That that's a team that. Minnesota United should beat. Yep. Uh, we saw them not beat the Quakes, and I'm not saying that something dramatic has changed, but in terms of a team over a span of years going from we just put this together to it's it's consistent, one of the important things is beating those sides that you're supposed to beat. So what, what were some of your immediate takeaways from the Impact uh, game? Well, I, I thought the opening 45 minutes was, was extremely disappointing for Minnesota United, and I must admit I was quite worried um, because the Impact, it's a strange one with them because... They actually play some decent stuff. Um, some lovely little interchanges between some of the attacking players and whatnot. And, um, you know, attacking-wise, they've not been bad at all. It's just defensively where they've been woeful. Sure. They really have. And that's why they brought in a couple of experienced defenders when they needed to. And they've had, a, they've had very much like Minnesota, they've had terrible luck with injuries as well. Um, so, um, 
I thought the second half was much better and, and it, it needed to be for good reason. Adrian Heath was absolutely irate at half time. I heard that. He was <laughs> so, so angry with his team. Um, obviously, I wasn't in the locker room, but I had one or two people down there um, telling us, uh, telling the broadcast team what was going on. Uh, which uh, was was tremendous inside access and yeah, I heard it was um, an NSFW halftime speech. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it, it was a speech that was needed, I think. Yeah, and Adrian Heath deserves credit for that. Um, for for one for better word, giving them a kick in the backside because they they needed it. Um, you're right, Steve. Minnesota need to beat teams like this if they are going to be um, you know, contending for for a playoff spot. Which, in my opinion, they they will, but you can't afford many more of these home slip-ups. You, you yeah. have to win your home games in this league, um, particularly against that kind of opposition. So I thought they did well. I, th- I thought the um, return of Tyrone Mears was, was telling. I thought mm-hmm. the back line looks more organised. I thought Calva had a good game as well. That was yeah. um, that was a big bounce back for him. I mean, yeah. I think heading after the World Cup, I, I sort of felt like maybe that was that was an indicator that you know who knows exactly how the bad run of form comes about, but that some element of looking forward to the World Cup played a role in it because I felt like he sort of managed to sort of shrug that off mm. now that it's actually going to happen and and just and play in the moment and not, you know, lose focus or lose concentration. Yep. He had a v- very strong game. So. He did. It was a good parting gift, I think, for yeah. Minnesota fans. And, and, you know, look, we we wish him all the best in the World Cup and, and we really hope Costa Rica do do as well as they can. Uh, they're a good team. Um, you know, it's a difficult group that they're in sure. um, with Brazil and Switzerland and, and Serbia. But um wouldn't surprise me if they got out. It really wouldn't. But then again, it wouldn't surprise me if they <laughs> finished third as well. Yeah, so yeah. with the World Cup, you never know. But, um yeah, I thought Calvo was good. Um, defensively, the team looked a lot stronger. Um, I thought uh, Schuler again, uh, given another good account of himself, mm-hmm. read the passing lanes very well, cut off a lot of chances for Montreal. Um, the attacking quartet, I think, in the first half were were nowhere near the level they needed to be. Yeah, it kept fizzling out. It sort of felt like that work. they, you know, we'd sort of get possession and then it just sort of they just, just sort of work. petered out in that final third before yeah, it got. Yeah, even really got there. Didn't so. work, and, and I think the. The three behind Ramirez needed to be higher, uh, and, and clearly that it changed in, in the second half. And um, you know when they were uh, when they were on the same wavelength, and they got him behind the back line and whatnot. Um, you know things happened. I mean, Alexi Gomez was unfortunate not to get his first goal in Major League Soccer. I mean, he <laughs> nearly broke oh, the crossbar. Yeah. Didn't he? You know, I mean, <laughs> I've yeah. never seen that before. When ball comes in, and the player, you can tell exactly what he's doing straight away with his with his body shape, and he hits it with the outside of the, the left foot. I've never seen anybody hit the ball so hard. From that close and and rattled the woodwork like yeah. he did. I mean that was that was unbelievable. I think um, I would have squealed beyond belief had that have gone in. So um, yeah. <laughs> you know that I, I was it was good to see Gomez playing with a little more um, a little more confidence. He's still I don't think he's still 100% sharp and match fit. Right. Um, that'll take time. The same could be said for Darwin Quintero as well. Um, this, is, this is Alexi's first 90 minutes, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I thought Ibarra ran his socks off again and, and, and really caused problems for Montreal in the Man, second yeah, half. Yeah, Miguel is just... It's funny because I, I still look at him and think, you know, like I remember my first experience of him was last season. And I, mm-hmm. I knew that he was, you know, he had been called up to the national team and he had gone to Mexico and, yep. and there was all this stuff. And I knew he was sort of a folk hero and the Batman nickname and his sort of partnership with Christian mm-hmm. and all that. And then I never really, I mean, you saw flashes of it last year, but you never really saw the whole package. And I was like, well, he's kind of undersized. He runs mm-hmm. a lot. He moves his arms a lot when he runs. Like he makes sort of big, <laughs> he yeah. looks big going on the, on the pitch. But I was like, you know, know what's the what's the deal yeah and then this season you know 
again, it's not like you don't feel like he's dominating games. He's still, you know, but it's like he's such a pest. Yep. He's he works so hard. He's always in there in that moment. He's like a sidler, like from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Like he's just he's always in there at that moment when you need somebody to do something. And it's not it's sometimes it's assisting, sometimes it's scoring, as it was in this this past game. Uh, sometimes it's just drawing attention, uh, you know, setting little subtle picks in the box, mm-hmm. things like that. He's just He's making stuff happen, and that's it's really impressive. Played his role very well against uh, Montreal in the second half and obviously scored a, a peach of a goal. Did really, really well for that. Yeah. Um, look, I, th- I think um, the, the main beneficiary of, of the three playing well behind Ramirez is the centre-forwards. Ramirez obviously got his goal, and it's interesting because Kindred D. St. Alban and I said this on the broadcast, I don't think last year, with the, the rotten luck that we had, I don't think last year... When Ramirez strikes the ball, it hits the goalkeeper. I don't think that goes in last year. Sure. But this year, it's amazing what, what happens when you've got luck on your side. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I think uh, it's, it's about time. It's about time because we have had some absolutely putrid luck over the last uh, last 18 months. And, yeah. um, look, it was a good performance. Um, and now we move on with... Uh, Another very very difficult game away at Kansas City this uh, this coming weekend. We'll get to that. Mm. We're gonna we're gonna pause in between that. I was gonna finish off by saying like I definitely felt that it, it seemed like the kind of game that against a better side like it's a a two two draw. Like I feel like yep. they were lucky to get into the half without conceding a goal or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you need to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Um, I wanted to note that uh, I thought that uh, one more note on that that Piatti. Piatti's performance in the game, they really neutralized him very effectively. Yep. Like, you know, and that I thought was an interesting thing because he's amazing. He's an incredible player, but it sort of shows you how just having one incredible player, if he can't get the ball, it doesn't really help you out that much. Like yep. he had, I was looking up the numbers this morning. He had seven dribbles. Six of them were unsuccessful. He had one key pass, 18 successful passes, four unsuccessful passes. Ibsen had like about 30, I think I, I was counting them, <laughs> about 38 successful passes. So that's 20, that's double basically yeah. what Piatti got to do with the ball. You know, so it, it, like you just didn't find his name being, you didn't, you weren't talking no, about Piatti. We, know, we didn't so. talk about him at all. You're right. I mean, that, that those stats can be slightly miscued because obviously Ibsen's in the center of the park. You get much more. Sure, more, more, sure. But, but I know what you're saying. You know, Piatti... For a player of his caliber and what he's done in this league, you would expect him to have much more of an impact on the game than, than he did. Yeah. Um, and he didn't. And I thought Tyrone Mears deserved tremendous credit for that because Mears, this is someone who hasn't played in, in two months. And, sure. and I thought yeah. he kept Piatti very, very quiet. But all is not well at Montreal at the moment. No. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm surprised, as I said in the last podcast, you know, bringing in Remy Gard to, to be the head coach, I thought was a tremendous pickup. You know, I thought he was really unlucky at Aston Villa and and, and showed um, his ability when he was at Lyon in, in Ligue 1. Um, I, I really uh, really am surprised it's gone as, as bad as it has done for them. And, uh, you know, I, I spoke to a couple of people during the week and there'd been things, and I said this on the commentary as well, that there'd been things suggested like that the captain's armband has been tossed around and it's been thrown around like, like no one's business. They don't have a leader in the mm-hmm. locker room. Um, and, it, and it's clear. It's clear for all to see because there wasn't a leader on the field at all on, on Saturday. So sure. um, that they've, you know, they've got some issues that that been one of many. Yeah, yeah. All right, now I know it's important to get to Sporting Kansas City, but I wanted to talk about Star Wars. Oh, well, absolutely. Let's talk are you? about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> are, you a, are you a Star Wars absolutely fan? Absolutely I am, yes, of course. All right, so um, go over for me briefly your feelings, original trilogy, second trilogy, the, the current crop. Oh wow! Um, Briefly, 
Yeah, I was going to say, how long have we got? Not that, uh, not that long. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the first trilogy, you know, I, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't around, I wasn't born when it first came out, but obviously they were remade and everything and all that kind of stuff. Um, so when did you see them for the first, the original ones? The, the original the ones time? I saw in the the nineties, okay. basically. You know, so before they they went through that stage, didn't they, where they were sort of redeveloped? They remastered them. Yeah. They like added some stuff. So, yeah. Okay. So I saw the originals and then the remastered versions. Okay. And, but brilliant, just just fantastic cinema, great stuff. Yeah. Some of my all time favorite movies. I, I love Return of the Jedi. It's just absolutely wonderful cinematics, and mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, the the new versions. Again, you have to remember, Steve, This that they came out in, what was it, the early to mid-2000s. I, I was a, yeah. a teenager, you know. Started so, like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, so, so yeah. I was, you know, between the ages of, of 9 and sort of 15 when they all sure. came out. So, I, again, you could argue I grew up with them as well. Yeah. I, I'm a big Ewan McGregor fan. I, I like Ewan McGregor's um, acting. I, I've, I've always liked what he's what he's done. So I thought they were I thought they were good. When I was when I was younger, I thought they were good. Now we look back and like you're asking mm, not so good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They, they got problems. They didn't do as good a job as they probably should have. Yeah. This uh, kids, one, kids apparently continue to love the the prequels. Like apparently they, uh, which is weird because they seem mm. clunky and not appealing. But a lot of friends I have, I have managed to not allow my oldest to know that there are prequels, so we mm. haven't watched any of them yet. Okay. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of people who I'm friends with who have kids, say that like their kids' favorite movies end up being the first couple but okay. i mean they ended up being the prequels but that's weird to me i don't ever want to find out so i'm just <laughs> not well, gonna let my daughter know that they no exist. no no well i'll tell you what as well steve <laughs> is it because in my opinion there's a certain attachment to the likes of luke skywalker and whatnot, yeah you know i don't know why there just is maybe it's because they're the original characters and leia and han solo and whatnot yeah. um you know i won't spoil it for anybody but what happens in one of the movies to Han Solo? I was absolutely devastated. <laughs> sure, um, sure. You know, and and maybe that's the reason why we all prefer the older ones because that there is a certain attachment yeah, you can't see past that nostalgia, maybe. So, yeah, I can see that. So, have you? Did you? I, did you get to see Solo? It came out this week. I haven't seen Solo yet. Okay, no. no. I was excited because I went with my daughter ah, on okay. like Saturday morning, um, which I never get to go see movies, but I was like, let's do this. So cool, man. She will go see Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it was it was very good. Really, I really recommend it. Okay. I of the of the current ones, like let's say the four. So this is the Force Awakens, yep. Rogue One, Last Jedi, and now Solo. Mm-hmm. I thought it was one of the most sort of enjoyable moment to moment of any of those. Uh, which I think your mileage will will vary depending on how invested you are in Star Wars as, mm-hmm. as a universe. It almost completely eschews like moving big pieces into place. You know, this is sort of there's no uh, aside from setting up things that come up in terms of in that that came up in Star Wars uh, with Han Solo and things like the Kessel Run and sort of the Millennium Falcon and mm-hmm. his relationship to Lando Calrissian, like the stuff they sort of establish. There's no force. There's no like. There's really? none of the sort of there's there's very little of the intergalactic conflict like the rebels versus the empire like it's very much in the background and i think that sort of lets them focus on the characters a little more i thought that this cast of characters was one of the most appealing casts it was just sort of enjoyable it's not you know it's not a great film Mm. i mean i don't think any of the films if, if you're thinking of a great film as like cinematic masterpiece that means something or resonates through the years I don't think that's really what they're going for. They're making good blockbusters at this point. Yep. And I think it fills that 
it, it fills that very ably. Um, I just, I, it was just one of the ones where I didn't ever find myself thinking, how long has this movie been going on? Mm-hmm. Like the whole time I was, I was engaged. It was appealing. Um, the guy, uh, who played Han Solo, I can't remember his name now. It's kind I, of long. No, idea. Ehrlich, eight, it's long. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, he did a good uh, Han Solo uh, impression. Okay. Uh, there was a, there were some funny parts. My daughter appreciated the humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she thought it was funny. A lot of she was laughing a lot at things that I probably didn't think were that funny. But okay, right. um, I don't know. This is, so it's a film for all, is what you're saying? Yeah, I okay. I was a little worried it was going to be too slow for her, you know, okay. because it it being sort of like early characters and it doesn't have the force and things like that. Sure. But she got into it. She really liked it. So, um, yeah, I I. Highly recommend checking it out. I, okay. I think that I enjoyed Last Jedi a lot. I have to see Rogue One again um, to know. But I feel like in all of those movies, there were stretches where they were doing, they were sort of churning through stuff they had oh, to do God, in order to sort of establish yeah. the plot. So I kind of like that they moved a little quicker through this. You're absolutely, the Last Jedi, I thought it could have ended about four or five times before yeah. it did. Yeah, I yeah. Thought there's a tremendous shot of Luke Skywalker you know when all the rebels are sort of they're, they're cornered into that one little yeah, base, into that got, base and, right. and, and Luke Skywalker goes out, and there's a tremendous shot where the sun's setting and they've got the the walkers and whatnot the whatever they're called the adats yeah them, um, and there's a tremendous shot behind where Luke uh, Skywalker is um, is there and he's uh, just standing there almost like very sort of um, it. it in my opinion, it was sort of, it could very well be an iconic shot. Yeah, yeah. And I thought to myself, right, end it there. End it right end there. It there. I think I had the exact same thought at and that same on. moment. Yeah. And they carried on and on and on and on. I thought yeah. to myself, gosh, you're trying to squeeze too much into it. And by no means am I a film director, but I kind sure. of thought, come on, you're trying to squeeze a bit too much into this. Yeah, there was definitely a part where I thought, I thought, I think I had that exact same thought that I was like, if you cut it right here, it would be great because it's the middle of the, the trilogy. Yeah, the right? You know, it's couldn't like, be any more wetter there. It's like, like just, just give me more, you know? <laughs> just stop right there. And then, like, you know, move on to the next thing. Yep. Like, and then we'll wait a couple years and we'll see the see the next one. So mm-hmm. I really want to see the uh, – I know they're talking about an Obi-Wan, uh, young Obi-Wan oh, film. Oh, really? Uh, I am interested – somebody brought this up in a young Leia. Uh, because I honestly think that in terms of a plot setup, the idea of the radicalization of a sort of daughter of privilege, that she comes from a planet where it's, they have no weapons. Yep. And, you know, she's well off. And the fact that, like, she – as we join her, she is – you know, a member of the rebels. Mm. Uh, like, what is the process to get from you're growing up in privilege to I'm going to be part of this band of freedom yep. fighters? I think as a plot, that's maybe one of the the juiciest ones that you could dig into. That could actually make a good story it, movie, yeah. I think. So, all right, let's talk about SKC real quick. We're almost, we're whatever. <laughs> let's talk about Sporting Kansas City. We played them like two weeks ago. Yep. So, um, do you think – here's my opening question for you. Do you think this team is going to be – I mean, they're going to do it whether or not they're ready. Are they ready to go into Kansas City and compete given, like, dealing with changes to, like, how – this is going to be Cowboys first game away. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what It's very tough to compete in Kansas City. Yep. They got a point off of them at home. Uh, but SKC still looks – I mean, they're still atop the Western Conference. So yep. it, what is what is your assessment of their chances in Kansas City? I think it will be tremendously open. As, as I've said on previous podcasts, Steve, a lot of people go into Kansas City and, and box in and, and try and play for the points, um, which at times is, in my opinion, probably the most sensible option. I don't think Adrian thinks like that. Adrian will never play for a tie. I think he'll he'll want to go to Kansas City and compete and, and try yeah. and win. Um, he'll have the fullback. So m- m- maybe... maybe um, certain areas of the field will be slightly more reserved than they usually are. 
but he'll still want the fullbacks to go high. He'll, he'll still want Quintero to get on the ball as much as he can. He'll still want the forward to toe the line and everything. Can um, Look, no, no easy task. No easy task at all. Um, but as I said before, I think Kansas City played a bit of football on the road just because of that very reason of people boxing in uh, and, and making it difficult for them to play at Children's Mercy Park. So uh, we, we saw them just last week, as you mentioned, you know, whole host of players that are, are are really, really good, have settled in in really well. Johnny Russell's been tremendous. Yeah. Um, I watched the game against Columbus Crew, uh, and, and Columbus did exactly that. They boxed everything in, and they tried to play on the counter and whatnot, and they very, very nearly got away with, with getting themselves a goal. And I wonder if, uh, if if Higuain doesn't get himself sent off. I wonder, do they go and, and sna- uh, snatch something there? I don't know. Um, there are ways of, of getting a positive result in Kansas City. Uh, and Adrian will know that he's. I mean, look, Adrian's one of the very few coaches that has gone to Kansas City and won. Sure. I remember commentating on a game where Adrian was in charge of Orlando City in, in USL in the second division, and they were by far the best team outside of of Major League Soccer. And in my opinion, could have easily slotted into MLS there and then in, mm-hmm. in 2013 or, or 14. But both years that they were tremendous. Um, certain Jimmy Watson was was on the right hand side of of midfield for them in 2013 and, and was absolutely terrifying going up against Seth Sinovic. He ran him ragged. I thought you were going to say terrible, but... <laughs> <laughs> J- Jamie was such a key part in that system and, 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 and as I said, that particular day, he he got the better of Sinovic so many times and, mm-hmm. and Seth's a very good defender. Um, yes, well, just, we saw that when he came in, he, he really shored exactly. up the back line because yep. Madrando was having a tough time. I guess he has taken... He picked up a knock because... He has been out with injury. Right, absolutely, now, but. yeah. But he was firmly in Jamie's back pocket that particular uh, evening. And, um, you know, uh, I I just, I think Adrian knows how to play against Kansas City. He's seen them enough. Obviously, mm-hmm. the club were, Orlando were affiliated with Kansas City, so he knows this team very well. So sure. if anybody can go and win in Kansas City, it's Adrian Heath. Yeah. And I think this I think this also presents an opportunity for, I mean, it obviously distinctly presents an opportunity for players like Brent Coleman, who, yep. will, who will probably get in there. Wyatt Omsberg also um, is a possibility. You know, there's, there's some guys who haven't seen a lot of time who can get in there. I think also just for the team overall, there's this thing that can happen where, you know, when an enforced change comes, a guy is uh, for the World Cup, there's an injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. It can be a real opportunity for, for the team to grow as a whole because it kind of shakes things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, I mean, it obviously you, you can have bad results out of it as well. But I think it is one of those things where it can show you a different way to play a little bit. Yep. It gives you a little more flexibility. And then it can give players a little confidence in that flexibility that they know if things change, they can deal with it. And so I think, you know, I think things like this, this is part of it. We saw this last season. It's like mm-hmm. guys go in and out of the line up there's injuries there's call-ups there's all kinds of stuff that that affects the team and you can't only be satisfying satisfied playing the way you want to play you have to be able to play in other situations and i think that every chance of that it it, it can expand what a team is capable of so it's certainly what i will say steve uh, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if if adrian tweaks his system slightly and, and goes for more of a three in midfield to match up with Kansas City, you sure. know, and, and then tuck in the wingers a little more, have everything a little tighter to stop Kansas City playing through the centre and whatnot. And, you know, that's, that's where they go. They play from the centre and play the ball out wide as quickly as they can, you know. Right. And I think Adrian will try and, and stop that. So it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Martin or Maximiano comes in and whatnot. That, that would not surprise yeah. me at all. But, I mean, who knows? This, yeah. this league has strange ways of working at times. But, um, as I said, you know, Adrian knows how to win in Kansas City. He's done it in the past. So um, we'll wait and see, but 
no doubt it's a really difficult challenge yeah yeah well it should be a good one uh i'm looking forward to uh watching on tv not actually having to go sometimes like national television (laughs) yeah it'll be fun uh, fox sports one so uh always good when the loons get a bit of national attention yeah well thanks for joining us for the 13th should i call it the 14th do we skip the 13th? Is it like elevators? Or yeah, it's yeah, unlucky? yeah, go okay. for that. Yeah, 13th uh, such an unlucky number. Joining us for the 14th Sound of the Loons podcast. Our next match is on Sunday, June 3rd, as we were just saying, against Sporting Kansas City at Children's Mercy Park. That's going to be on Fox Sports 1 and 1500 ESPN. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, if nothing else, a five-star rating, because <laughs> we'd like to give you a five-star podcast. You can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom and me at Steve Entress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>